And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Hey there, this is Ralph Garman, and you are listening to the World of Myth Bits. You made an excellent choice. Welcome to the World of Myth Bits. We are your hosts, Jenna and Joe Sparks, and this is episode 107. Insert Roman numerals right now. The World of Myth Bits. which had set up a permanent exhibition space in London in 1836, was creating a whole new arena for murder, a chamber of horrors. From Madame Tussaud's earliest days, there had been a separate room which initially displayed replica heads of those executed in the French Revolution. Oh, hello. Welcome to the world of Mythbits. Thank you for joining us this week. Before we progress too much further, we got some stuff to let you in on. First and foremost, we've got the production of second place winner of the Open Contract Challenge, Miss Gabriella Belcom. Uh, her ebook has been started this week, so she's working on that. I'm very excited. Second little bit, we are working full speed ahead to bring back old titles under our classics brand. So that's pretty, pretty fascinating. Otherwise, it's been a rather dry week, if you will. What would you say are the stories that influence your art the most? The stories, like, name the actual stories? Well, that depends what you're going to define a story, isn't it? Um, I think for me it's always been where I have been able to understand and comprehend empathy you know that uh every story in some way shape or form creates this ability to form a relationship with the subjects and how I can comprehend why they're acting the way they're acting or doing what they're doing etc etc and so that's probably if that's kind of what you're getting at that's that's the biggest facet for me and how I've kind of grown to understand humanity if you will um well, what made you want to pick up the pencil <laughs> like drawing wise or writing wise Either way. Well, writing, it was definitely because I, one of my, my biggest pastimes is I will just scroll through websites with, with books, lists, et cetera, et cetera, um, that, you know, trying to find a book that I can relate to, trying to find a story that instead of me forcing myself to empathize with, empathizes with me. Um, and I have never found that. Like, up 
to this day. Like, I, I have books that I love. I have characters that, yeah, I can kind of realize, you know, like, realize myself within them. But I've never had characters that remind me of me. And um, when I first started writing, because I started writing when I was, like, 13, and it was just for fun, and a lot of it was just, like, this self-insert type of stuff, because I wanted to see who I would be if I were presented in words, you know, and kind of designate who I am and learn about who I am and trying to give myself that kind of refuge that I was having a really hard time finding from other people's perspectives. So I was like, okay, well then I'm going to give my perspective and I still do it. Like I still seek to find myself on pages, but I haven't. And even with drawing, it's this because I've had to force myself how to identify with all of these characters presented to me. I, I do that with film and TV and everything where it's like, okay, well, you know, I'm not exactly like this character, but there are facets to them that, like, I feel seen, I feel represented in. Um, and I just kind of go into this whole, like, analysis of why this character is this character. So... When people are like, oh, well, drawing, drawing uh, fan art, blah, 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 it's, it's not real art and everything, that's fine for you to think that. But for me, it's, I'm figuring out how to see myself through these characters. You know what I mean? Like, for me, it's, it's, again, all about empathy and kind of this give and take relationship and... I just want to see myself and I know there are many, many people who, who also want to see themselves, um, see themselves represented and we don't get that, you know? And so that's kind of, you know, the unhealthy aspect. There's one film I can recall where I was able to make a connection to myself actually is the film Broken Flowers with, Mm -hmm. um, uh, Bill Murray, Bill Murray where the entire film was an observational piece of, of, of life in general. And when he would go, and I think it was his daughter's house or the daughter's trailer, right? And he like just look down and just observe everything around him. And that was the only time that I can actually say that I could uh, uh, relate or empathize, mm-hmm. like, oh, totally, because um, even though film and stories are gender-specific, you know, uh, as we were talking about last week, um, I feel though that it it it's also guided toward a, a, a way. You know, these stories are guided in a way, and then um, I'm sure as you grow older, then you can kind of really think back on these stories and be like, okay, yeah, I got it. Yeah. Um, not to say that you you can. You can see a lot of stuff, you know, in, in the humorous takes and everything like that. 
you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, what what was your earliest experience of searching for story? Um, let me give you an example. Uh, I, I'm not quite sure I actually spoke of this story a few times when I was a kid um, down in the city. Well, more of a city than I'm used to. Down in the city, uh, I would take my bike and ride it. I'm not quite sure how far because I was young, <laughs> but quite a ways to the public library. Right, so I had a um, uh, card, right, membership card, whatnot, and then I would go and. <laughs> That's the, that's actually where I uh, read the first Harry Potter book. I read the first <laughs> Harry Potter book there, and I was like, eh. And I chucked it into the side. <laughs> and I was like, eh. Because <laughs> I remember when that came out. And then people were like, oh, we got to read this. And I ah, check it out. And then I was like, yeah. So, <laughs> and then, uh, so that was, I think, my earliest memory of trying to actually seek these these stories out and, and seek out these alternatives to um what's presented because that's that's kind of like what i'm getting here is like we're presented with life at a face value and it's persuaded one way and persuaded the next way Mm -hmm. and many things come in to make the person view the world a certain way and story is everything because story is a part of humans and it's mostly what you uh, focus in on. Yeah. You know, um, I think that was the big worry behind television when it first came out. You know, the big worry was that it would make people stupid <laughs> because they wouldn't read, you know. Uh, and then come to find that TV was a huge impact for myself in particular. Um such as with film, well, for both of us, film. Uh, we had, I had drawers full, like a six-drawer dresser full of movies. I think when I was 16, <laughs> it was back in 2005, 2004, when I had my first job. When I got my first job, <laughs> I spent my money on movies. Oh, I remember that. Like, I still genuinely miss that feeling of going into, like, Best Buy or Circuit City or even, like, Suncoast and or just video rental stores um, and just getting to search, search the aisles and look for for a title, you know, a poster that just, like, screams at you. Because, uh, you know, that's kind of how my association with film always kind of came was, like, how does the this cover how does this film's cover like endear you uh and that's i i miss that like that's just something that i'm kind of like you know i'm sad that we don't have that anymore now we just have you know arrows on a remote the blockbuster smell the blockbuster blockbuster smell smell, the blockbuster (laughs) feel the blue shirt walking on the carpet or if you're really cool and you had like a family-owned video store with a ball pit in the middle absolutely not (laughs) Our video store was called Mr. Video. <laughs> Very creative. And it was right around, well, not right around the corner, but right around the corner. And, you know, you 
are in a true family-owned video store when you go through and you see the beads mm -hmm. hanging down. You see 18 plus right there <laughs> up on the top. And you're like, well, I just go, I guess I'll go see, you know, and your mother grabs you by the neck. She looks at you, turns your head around. Like, <laughs> you know? And you will not find a back door in our video store. <laughs> that was probably a really influential movie for me, too, is Drop Dead Gorgeous. Uh, <laughs> which I think about, like, at least daily. <laughs> but no, to, to answer your question, um, I could really, like, go down this rabbit hole because I regularly do... A lot of soul searching. One of my first memories of like really having to understand something. And this maybe isn't like the best relation to, to what you're saying. But it's like the first instance that I remember. Um, I was in fifth grade. And the Blair Witch Project had just come out. And me and my sister secretly watched it. Um, because I was... 10 you know and well actually I think it was nine when it came out no I was 10 anyway uh and she she had snuck me in her room and she's like we're gonna watch this scary movie and we watched it and I was obsessed like I was unhealthily obsessed with the Blair Witch Project and it came out with my parents they're like oh you, you saw this horror movie and I'm like yeah I did and I loved it and when the movie came out Apparently, like a few months after, uh, to in continue the mystery, uh, I think as kind of like things fell apart with the uh, what you call it, um, promotion of the video where you know people started realizing no, these aren't real victims, um, these are actors, but they released like this this uh book that was like a, a handbook for the myth of the Blair Witch. And I remember the cover, it was just like matte black and it had glossy handprints all over it. Some of them were like bright red. And in it, it was just these like stories of the Blair Witch and, uh, you know, from quote unquote, like townspeople, etc. I don't know why etc. is the word of the day for me. Sorry. Um, and I just, like, was really obsessed with it. And for me, I, like, one thing that just really, like, soothes my soul is when I have as much information as possible. Um, which is also frustrating because I'm also trying to, like, work with my head that, no, that's not ideal for every situation but that's just something where it's like if I take fascination in something, I want I want everything from it. You know, I want all of it. And um, I don't know if that really answers your question. But for me, like that was something that definitely kind of especially looking back that I, I really understand about myself now. And um what I what I hope to take away from media. We all have these uh, personal experiences that really builds what 
this need for detachment into the story really mm-hmm. is like really um so everyone has their own story as they say yeah you know um and it depends about how we move forward mm-hmm. on these you know and some people um choose to go in it into a different way such as like if you're addicted to drugs it's the same thing if you really think on it right you're escaping yeah reality okay which we'll shout out to portland they i just just want to put this oh. in here real quick they legalized all drugs right that is the way to go in my own opinion because when you take away the legal implications, you're actually going to find out that people aren't going to do hard drugs if they're not inclined to do it. Mm-hmm. Right? To say, you know what? Now that meth is legal, I think I'm going to give it a shot. You know? <laughs> it's never it's never stopped anybody in a legal standing to be like, you know what? That's illegal. I don't think I should do it. <laughs> and if that's where your brain goes, you might want to think about that idea. No. <laughs> okay? Just because it's illegal, I probably should not do it. Um, that's, that is a huge discussion topic. I just wanted to give Portland a <laughs> shout out because. What that, was the whole state of Oregon? Was it? Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> so. Not just Portland, the entire state. <laughs> Beautiful. And I'm sure there's definite com- controversy behind legalization, you know, against uh, decriminalization. It's not about the legal status. It's about the idea behind it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what this whole episode is about, is about <laughs> the idea behind it, not the literal thing. You know, it's not like, you know what, this guy is... is, is, is uh, He's defending these drugs really hard. I don't, I don't know what's going on here, you know? <laughs> I just want to see how you kind of navigate this. <laughs> there is no way. There is no way out of it now. Uh, <laughs> so, yay, organ. <laughs> I think that would be a closing little period. Boom. Yay. <laughs> um, but that was, that was the whole process it's behind the idea you know and how how many lives are destroyed you know based upon the laws and not the it's the implications behind the idea that really destroy people you know yeah the the stigmas the taboos right such as if you're caught with a little bit of grass in certain states, they will give you months, right? And here in our state of California, it is legal, technically. Yeah. Not by federal standards. So if you're drug tested... Again, I think that's where the, the difference between decriminalize and legalize comes. Exactly. So if you are caught... With a little bit of grass on you in another state, you know, except for, I think, didn't Arizona pass it too? I think so. 
right? Um, then there are definite different implications. But on a federal level, such as if you were to be drug tested at work, and here in California, they can pull the federal status and, and fire you because... It's a, you tested positive. Yes, yeah, because yeah. you're positive, right? So, where was it going with that? No idea. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Okay. I think this is where my mind was kind of splitting on that idea <laughs> and the subject. Okay. It's no secret that many storytellers, musicians included, and authors, some authors, um, would dose in these drugs to flourish these ideas and these stories and everything. It's like, there's almost like the space that you can go to. Mm -hmm. You know, kind of like we were talking about the ether to where like you can go and pick out these ideas. But for some reason, you had to have this bridge and for some people, that bridge comes in the form of a of, of a pipe or hallucinogenic, or, or yeah, yeah, a little uh, hallucinogenic or, or something like that. Um, myself, in particular, I don't really need that need that little uh, push, you know, forward. It's more uh, kind of feel. You got to feel for it. The way I can describe it is like being in the dark and you're kind of feeling for the handrails you know um but also almost with like a, a, a moon's glow but a very dim moon's glow against the atmosphere you know it's there and you can hear it in the distance but you have to kind of really let go and feel for it and i'm sure that's where the uh uh, you know, um, advantages come in at to where if you want to get there quicker, you have an option, uh, you know, definitely could be debated against whether it's a good option or a bad option or this option is going to help, you know, uh, it's all debatable. All I know is, uh, very interesting things come out from that space, you know. And if you can get to that space quicker, sometimes in this this world of ours, people need to get there quicker, you know. And um, I know for a fact, though, that way to get there is not for everybody. And I'm one of them. But if the shoes fit, I guess, huh? What about you? Are you able to just, like, vision that bridge? I think I'm definitely... I'm the one. Like, I blame myself as well as society for kind of closing off my mind. And... Um, I feel like if I put in the effort, I can, like, without any kind of aid or, or anything like that, I can kind of at least see the bridge. You know what I mean? Like, I can, like, hey, you know, there's there's some interesting stuff over there. And I think, honestly, like, if I'm listening to the right song or reading the right book or something like that, then I'm like, okay, 
but so you, you what you're saying is you you can see the bridge you can walk up to the gate but there's somebody there saying do you have a ticket is that what you're <laughs> maybe, trying to say? maybe maybe you have a ticket to cross this bridge maybe and then i'll just kick him in the face one of these days and actually just run across i think when we are kids I think we are able to actually see that bridge all the time. Oh, easily. It's kind of funny because my my stepdad, he was somebody who he would always call me out. He, you know, and in fact, like I had to write a little author bio, and I'm like, I'm I'm gonna pay homage to this because he always used to shame me <laughs> for having my head in the clouds when I was really little, and I would just say these like wackadoodle things. And he'd be like, Jenna, you've got your head in the clouds. You need to kind of land back on on the ground now. But he was also somebody who was like, I'm going to help you harness your creativity. Like he gave us kind of limitless access to finding a creative voice. Like he was like, if we said like, oh, you know what? Like, hey, can we get uh, like a, a little rose art or whatever brand it was uh pottery wheel he would go and get it for us you know i say us the kids like whoever said was like hey i'm kind of interested in this oh you're interested in building model cars here yeah i'll I'll take you to the, the the hobby shop and you can pick out some of this he was always very invested in making sure that we were creative but he was always the first to also call us out on how we were creative if that makes sense. And it's funny too, because like last night I was hanging out with, with our, uh, teenager in the house and, um, I've really tried to get them to read. I have hundreds of books at their disposal. And I'm like, we have books, like you can read stuff, but nothing. I mean, there've been a couple but nothing that's really gotten them like eager to read. So we're watching Hannibal because neither of us watched it and we're like, yeah, now's a good time. Like, let's just binge something. And I'm like, hey, you know, these these are actually based. The show was based off of a book. Well, not the first two seasons. I can get you the book. Really? Yeah. Do you want to read it? yeah, are there other books like it? Yep. <laughs> like, and I got so excited because finally, even though like I haven't been able to find somebody I can relate to because that's kind of what's kept me interested is I'm going to find it at some point. But now because I've read all of these books and read all of these stories, I have it in my like brain arsenal. Hey, teenager, kid, like, I've got books for you, you know, that you can hopefully relate to and will encourage you because, you know, throughout high school and all that, like when we're forced to read stories, that was my downfall. I hated doing what the teachers told me to do. And so when I had to read A Wrinkle in Time, The Outsiders, The Hatchet, like when I had to read those, I'm like, I hate this. This is the worst thing you could ever do to me. But then I started reading stuff on my own accord, stuff, especially like when I was in like seventh, eighth grade, that I was like, wait a minute, this is actually stuff I really like. And 
you know, stuff I wanted to see more of. And then it became fun for me. As opposed to, like I said, these like have to, you know, you have to read this. You have to use this story as a tool. I don't remember a lot of those stories, a lot of those books. I won't even lie. I remember the books that I wanted to read. And I remember learning more valuable lessons out of those books. You know what I mean? Um, and I think that says something about our relationship with reading. You know, because it, it is. It's, it's so much knowledge in so many different ways, in so many different subjects, from so many different voices. And as long as you are open to acknowledging those voices at your own will, you're going to learn and you're going to understand. At the very least, if it's something that's not factual, if you're reading like a fantasy book, okay, it's going to inspire you to comprehend that because everything is an analogy. Everything is an analogy in some way or another. Because to completely fathom something without ever having any kind of relationship to it, it's just like it's unfathomable, you know? Like you're gonna, even if you have only seen it on TV or read about it from another book, like it's so hard to make up instances of things that we don't know how they can exist. So... I don't know where I'm going in this tangent. Holy crap. Anyway, <laughs> my teenager uh, was really excited to find that I kind of had this arsenal of, of books that I could suggest to them. And that made me feel really good. I don't know if they start reading them and they actually like them, but I hope. And I hope for them too. Like it's, they, they get this interest. Finally, we watched The Social Dilemma, mm -hmm. and um, it is astonishing, you know, how you never really think about when you're brought up into a certain, you know, norm, how we're talking about we're, we're children of the internet age without having the same direct effects of the um, implications. You know, of the, the, the social media platforms, mm -hmm. you know, like um, the, the, the real turmoil that can come about. And maybe that, that's an interesting correlation, you know, thinking about it is uh, when we talk about uh, social media and its influence, um, you know, uh, going back to how I said, like, I, I finding people I can relate to in stories has been really hard. Like, I just don't. So maybe that's where what we're kind of getting out of social media in that regard is we have this this wide accessibility to every kind of voice you could possibly imagine. And all of a sudden, those those relationships that 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 those characters, so to say, so to speak, you know, they're there all of a sudden. They're real people. But it's somebody who we can relate to, you know, and maybe that's something to kind of bite on. And yet also in the same breath as that is the internet is also so fickle. 
Oh, so if yeah. you if you had an account and you had X amount of subscribers, you know, think about how many people like add you and then are pretty much adding you to gain the followers to, to, to kind of dump you. Oh, that's my biggest pet okay. peeve. So it's like, okay, well, then what what is the tool really? I mean, that was the whole that was the whole. It's a popularity contest yeah, that's, for a lot of people. Well. A lot of things are popularity contests, you know. Um, what really is going to serve the idea, you know, is going to be the popularity contest. Or why is the idea so popular to begin with? You know, why is the person so popular to begin with? You know, um, and there's a lot of information that can be thrown around, you mm -hmm. know. Um, why is certain movies more popular than other movies? Have ideas lost their gravity? You know, have the ideas lost their gravity based upon popularity of the idea? Do you remember when it wasn't cool? You know, remember when we were kids and it wasn't cool to like these popular bands? Mm -hmm. I'm sure Green Day is, if everybody remembers, Green Day is one of them. When <laughs> they came out, you did not like them. Right. No, because I was a. No, I'm not just saying you. A, yeah. I'm saying everybody around you, or around me. Well, it's because I. You do yeah. not like Green Day, and I'm like. Mm. No, things have changed. Yeah. But everybody that I grew up around was right. I'm very not, not pointing the finger, because I know you personally, and I'm not saying I'm not <laughs> pointing the finger. I'm saying everybody around, because it was the idea to not like them. You know, because of their popularity well, yeah, it's, yeah, against I, yeah. other punk music you know um <laughs> you know people would say that oh that's not real punk music or they throw around poser poser poser, poser. I remember, remember poser that's right that's right um but uh what that's what what the real takeaway is is what what takes the idea and imposes these implications on it, you know, based on the popularity status of the idea. Now, as I can kind of fumble through a few of the um, ideas running around on the internet, there's one thing that's being thrown around as unpopular opinion. So it says, okay, so this is unpopular opinion, and then they propose the idea, mm -hmm. right? Unlike the memes... So, you know, whether or not that's for shock value or not, whether they feel that they have to present this as an unpopular opinion beforehand. Also, to have these memes introduced in everyday, you know, interactions, as though somebody comes to you and says, well, this is unpopular opinion, blah, 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 you know, and you're like, wait. You had to propose that as an unpopular <laughs> opinion before stating. So to, can I add on to that really quick? Or are you done? Not good. Okay. So to go back, throw back to the statement I made about being able to relate to people online. Um, what if we, since that's the inception of that, really, that we're finding these relationships, these people to relate to. But now we are so desperate 
in addition to prove how original we are. Like, isn't that, that's like, that's ironic. You know, if you think about it like that, like, yes, I have found, I have found my group of people. These are people who, uh, you know, I share a lot of, a lot of things in common with, but I also need to make it perfectly clear how original I am. Right. Right? Right. I mean, just kind of sit on that for a second. I think that's an interesting concept. <laughs> kind of like what you're saying, because it's like, what do we do with these, these, the, you know, posting unpopular opinions or whatever? It's, it's, because ultimately, we want to establish we are original thinkers in saying like, um, I don't know, like, uh, I don't know, let's say, let's say, uh, I think, I think Andy Warhol is overrated. Cue the gasps, cue the critics, cue all of that. But by establishing my originality, I'm going to be relieved when somebody responds, me too. So easy as that. But also really, so you, really complicated. Do you feel as though it's more of a tribal, a tribal mentality type of? Yeah, I don't really like using that word, but yeah, like I think that's probably the the best concept is. But it's like I said, we're adding that degree of that desire to proclaim our originality. That's where it kind of like deters in that because obviously, yes, we want to have. We, we naturally, going back to the cult episode, we gravitate toward people who think like us. We can't help it. Like, it's it's a comfort. It's a safe zone. It's, it's all of these things that we kind of just need socially. Um, and even, you know, like, beyond socially. Uh, but where does that quest for proving ourselves come from? Proving ourselves as original beings because everything is a competition because we're taught, you know, and I know like our generation was always taught, you know, and, and look, another pet peeve of mine is, oh, millennials, they were the, you know, it's, it's given them a, a participation award. That's not true. <laughs> everything was a competition, everything. And that has kind of screwed with our minds in that. You know, as Ricky Bobby would say, if you're not first, you're last, right? <laughs> like you have to establish yourself. So I don't know. Like I think there's a, a whole lot of discussion about this because then that kind of conceptualizes: do we do we find our quote unquote tribe and feel like to prove our originality we need to kind of go up against the best of the best you know what i mean like people who like other artists well, or other the, writers is that to make us feel validated well that's the new form of competition then wouldn't it i mean because so you have a an idea and you say okay well here's how i'm original against you right so then you are now competing against re originality so now you have everybody else trying to be the most original and i feel that's because you know in our evolution as as humans you know we um we definitely 
needed to have a competitive streak to begin with. Yeah. On account just to of survive. resources, right? And now that let's take a look at the whole picture of there's like how many people? There's like eight or nine billion people now. Okay. We don't even think about that Mm-mm. on a daily basis. You know, when you really think about that on on a daily basis, there's nine billion people. Every single one is going to be the most original. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so now you have such a high competitive streak because, and in everything has a high competitive streak because you are fighting against the popularity contest. Yeah. Right? And I think it's important to point out it's, you know, because I, I am a believer in the, you know, uh, you are you and no one is better at being you than you kind of thing. Like, I, I do. And I try to kind of impart that, like, on kids. Uh, because, yeah, it's true. Like, you're not going to be anybody else. You're stuck with yourself. So you may as well make the best of it, right? Um, so I, I do kind of want to, like establish i think if if you followed along and you're thinking like oh crap you know and you kind of start veering into that what's the point you know everything is the point you know <laughs> and it, it's the matter of you know to to maintain your originality while being self-aware and deciding why you're pushing for your originality, you know, because like if it, if it comes into this competitive thing and it might be so subconscious, it might be so ingrained in us that we're not even aware. Like I said, this was just like something I'm like, Hey, wait a second. But you know, it, it, it involves a little bit of heavy lifting mentally, I think to be aware like that. I don't know. Just keep being you. <laughs> I think, you know, the, the big idea behind that is you had to be competitive to get that idea forward and mm-hmm. front and center because it is about the idea. You know, you know, uh, jump off the soapbox and say, stop talking about that philosophical idea, buddy. <laughs> get back to drugs. No. All right. Talking about drugs yes talking speculating (laughs) on the drugs Uh, all right (laughs) you can find us at theworldofmyth.com and also on facebook and twitter at the world of myth bits podcast and the world of myth magazine and also on instagram at the world of myth bits and now etsy and now etsy thanks for listening until next time the world of myth bits one two three four hey mr science guy don't spray that aerosol in my eye for i don't For I don't really want to die I'm a noble rabbit